business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, small business nation? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is Friday. It is 11 o'clock. Today is Cinco de Mayo, the day that we're recording, which means we're going to go enjoy some tacos and margaritas because that is the Texan thing to <laughs> do today. Yep. And uh, and we will do it and we will enjoy it because it's a Friday and, and that's how we roll. And we've got a guest who, where he's at, it's five o'clock. So, I mean, that means we could start drinking pretty much right now <laughs> and it would be acceptable always- because it is... Five o'clock somewhere, right, William? It's always five o'clock somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the way this works, William, we always kick these things off with an icebreaker. Ice, icebreaker. All right. Here's the icebreaker for you. What is something you have always wanted to do, but you haven't done yet? Oh, it's such a great question, isn't it? And there's a lot, but yeah, um, (laughs) I, I kind of, I've always wanted to jump out of a plane, and I've never done that yet. So hopefully with a parachute on my back. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the desired way to go about that. This is a tough uh, question. It I, is. You know, I'm I'm usually kind of prepared for these, but I wasn't today. I didn't let myself see this icebreaker. So uh, now I'm on the spot. So John, I'm going to give it over to you while I think right. about this. I'm prepared because I recently started doing <laughs> a bucket list item. Um, me and my wife decided to go see every baseball park, Major League Baseball Park in America, and we started with our first one last week. So that's cool. Well, that's I guess really cool. second one besides the one here at home in Houston. But uh, yeah. I'm really excited about that. I don't really have like a bucket list. I obviously I probably should. Get, just I mean, it gives you something to work towards and look forward to. I would say. If I were going to make something up on the spot, something that I would like to do that I haven't done would be to visit every national, like national park. The problem is there's a lot of national parks. Yeah. Um, But I just, I always kind of think back on that backpacking, backpacking trip I did through Glacier National Park. Mm -hmm. And it was just like the best, it was like the best week of my life. Seriously, just like how grounded I was and how connected I was to like, it sounds like so cheesy, but how connected I was to earth. Like it really put me in a mindset in my business where I could like just take a moment to like disconnect from my phone and like think about, Mm -hmm. you know, just the world that we live in. And like, I don't know, it was, it was really, really therapeutic so much so that when I got back home from that, uh, trip, I actually bought the domain name disconnectconference.com. And Mm. I always thought it would be really cool to create a whole like conference where you fully disconnected from technology and a requirement was, You'd only get like so much like technology time per day because yeah. we are so inundated by tech every mm-hmm. single moment of our lives. Yeah, every that I think second. sometimes we forget to just like be human for a mm-hmm. second. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that. I'd be there uh, if you ever do it. Let me know because I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Um, we should we should put this into motion. Should get this into motion. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to do a formal introduction. William Bust. I'm going to get it right. William Bust. Right. All right. Perfect. Is a mentor to business leaders and the author of the book, Intentional Mastery. He mm-hmm. specializes in guiding his clients along the journey to mastery so that they can deliver consistently excellent value to their clients. 
William is a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association who speaks on building better business and intentional mastery. William is committed to lifelong learning. He's a keen photographer and skier and enjoys walking. William, welcome to the show, man. Hi, Andrew. It's great to be here. And uh, what, thank you very much for that introduction. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. So why? Okay, we, we've got to start by taking it back. That's kind of what we have to start with so that people understand who we're talking to. Why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got started in entrepreneurship in, in general? Because I think we all have like our like entrepreneur origin story, like how we got started. <laughs> what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I was uh, I was uh, in the insurance industry for many years. Uh, I, I worked, in fact, for an American insurance company, Combined Insurance Company of America, uh, in a UK subsidiary uh, for a while. And then I, I was also working in some of the big uh, UK banks that also do insurance. And in that role, I was running, putting project teams together, running fairly big projects. And I kind of thought, you know, what I'm doing here is like setting up a business but inside another business. And I'd rather do that outside the business and do yeah. it for real. <laughs> for yourself, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the trigger, really, that pushed me to start. So 20 years ago, I left the insurance industry, started my own business, then uh, was working. Uh, from then, I've been working as a business mentor, working with other business owners, helping them to think about what their strategy should be, how they should approach what they're doing, uh, looking at and learning about all the things that entrepreneurs, people like you and me, the, the things that we do wrong um, because we don't know yet that they're wrong till we do them. Yeah, um, <laughs> and thinking about how can we how can we design business better and think about yeah. you know the whole process of building a business and do that in a better way. And that's where I started thinking about mastery and and why are some business people, you know, you just you walk into the room and you just know that they are at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. and others who haven't got there yet but but want to and what's that journey so that was where the book came from and that's how we got to today really that that's amazing so when john had kind of first told me about you being on the show and i read your bio i was like intentional mastery like i've never heard of that like obviously you're the author of a book on it which means that you're the expert on the topic that's how this works so <laughs> How did, how did you kind of craft that, like, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call it a framework, but the idea of thinking about your business in a mastery mindset? Yeah, so it's, it's really from working with a whole variety of entrepreneurs and seeing the difference between those who, first of all, were really driving intentionally to build something bigger and better than, than just what they had at the moment and continuing to be intentional about that. And the people, you know, and others who kind of got to a level and were were satisfied with it. And I guess part of my philosophy is that I don't settle. You know, I'm always looking for ways to do things better. And I know that, you know, I'm a little bit older than you guys, a little bit. Uh, we won't, a little bit. Too much a couple of days. A couple <laughs> of days. Uh, and, you know, you as you build experience, you start realizing how much you don't know rather than how much you do. And, uh, so, you know, I'm very much in this game uh, as a long-time journey and thinking about what do I need to do to grow? And that's where this development of the journey to mastery, which I'll just very quickly go through. You know, when we start something we don't know, you know, if I was to go and jump out of a plane, as we talked about earlier, I know nothing about that. I've never done it. I'd have to go and 
do some research and get knowledge. And at that point, I'm what I call an explorer, very start of this journey to mastery. Explorers get the knowledge, they then need to know how to do it. So they work on this building the skill and the novice in them, they make lots of mistakes and learn from that. And novices become practitioners and practitioners are people who do a really good job every day, but they're not yet expert. They need more experience to become and build the expertise. So they need to see things in lots of different contexts. All the way up to expert, the next stage is mastery. All the way up to expert, we've been filling in things we didn't have. We either didn't have knowledge, we didn't have the skill that we needed, or we didn't have the experience. But to go from expert to master, I think needs us to also get insight from other areas of our life. And that's that was the, the insight that I got that made me see that the people who are really masters of their game are drawing on experience from everything. And I, you know, I draw on my mm. photography, I draw on what I do skiing, I think about, you know, when I'm out walking, thinking about uh, how that can help me uh, think about the way that business works. Um, and so it's all those insights coming together that let you step up, stand out from everybody else who's an expert in your field, lots of experts, but which of them stand out? And I think it's mm. the ones who can bring their full selves, everything about them to, to bear on what they do. How do you, I mean, how do you know when you've, <laughs> this is like me and John talked about this yesterday as we were thinking about today's interview. I mean, how do you know when you've, you've become a master in, in your art? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, a little sub subscript, do you ever become a master at what you do? Well, I think, I think that there are stages of mastery as well. And it, and it is an ongoing journey. It's not a destination. We can keep improving it. But for me, I think the thing that really stands people out when you know that you kind of know that you've got to a level of expertise that's beyond most people is when it doesn't matter what you're asked, you know the answer and you don't just know what the answer is you know how to apply that answer in the context of the other person so it's hmm. you know i think experts quite often uh, you know i've spoken to many experts over the years interviewed many and i've come away from the interviews thinking i know you know your topic and we've talked about it for an hour but i still don't know anything about it because yeah you haven't been able to explain it in language that I understand and a master will always be able to do that. They've yeah. got back to being able to deconstruct what they know and yeah. share that knowledge and skill with others in a way that they can absorb it and, and move on. And they also recognize that whole journey. I think they recognize when they're talking to somebody who's an explorer and needs knowledge and they give them knowledge. They don't jump into how do you do this? You know, you're, Podcast hosts, if you were, uh, you know, if you were talking to somebody who'd never heard about podcasting, you wouldn't tell them all the nuances of what you do behind the scenes mm -hmm. because it's no, there's no point. They just That's want right. to know, you it's know, what is a podcast? It's, yeah. it's, so the masters will have that level of, of granularity as well and understand how to pass information on to others. Yeah, that I I really love your explanation there because and I think that's an art to become someone who can speak on the thing that you're an expert in and equip the person you're talking to to be able to either do it for themselves or implement some of that education. One of the, you see my glowing Apple shirt behind me from my time at Apple. And back in the day, Apple had this program called one-to-one. -one. It was like a service, 
service that they offered where people could pay Apple to come in and do personalized one-on-one training with an Apple trainer on a number of topics, whether it's just like getting around mm-hmm. the Mac or or using Keynote or you know or, or uh, Pages or any of those applications that came on a Mac, we would teach. Well, one of the things that they taught us trainers was that we had to sit on our hands when we taught someone. And I thought it was the coolest thing because naturally we want to point, we want to show people where to go. We want to, <laughs> let, let me just, let me drive, let me take over. Let me, yep. and it doesn't empower the person that you're teaching to actually learn. And so that was a, it was a really cool, I, I feel like it's really like, I've carried that skill with me throughout life because I feel now like I really do a way better job of explaining things when I'm giving people a tutorial or a walkthrough. I'm like, hey, if you notice in the top left-hand corner, you know, that little icon that's spinning, like it's, you start to learn how to communicate with people. So I think that that's, that's really mm-hmm. fascinating because I've never thought of myself, well, I'm obviously like still, you know, I'm only 33. So like, I'm sure I have a lot to learn before I will become a master, but you know, I don't know. I'm I'm afraid that I might not ever be able to answer all of those questions and and be the best at teaching people. So I, I'm I'm really fascinated by what you what you teach. So when you first started in this, you know, you said about 20 years ago, did you set out to become like a mentor in this way and a consultant, or were was there another service line that you were doing first? Uh, I, I think uh, like a lot of uh, entrepreneurial people, this. Sometimes it's an external trigger that uh, that makes things change a little bit and let you see things in a new light. Uh, for me, um, that was first of all the 2008 banking crisis uh, when mm. I had a lot of clients who simply stopped the projects we were working on because everybody pulled their horns in and said we got no money anymore. You know, and uh, maybe we're seeing some of that again today. You know, so for people who are faced with that kind of worry around well, what happens, what I did, and I can only share what I did, um, was to say, okay, that's happened. I can't control that. I can't change it. What I can do is react to it, and I can change how I behave as a result of what's going on. And I changed the business just a little bit. I moved from really working as a more as a project manager within larger organizations and started working with smaller entrepreneurs, individuals, and working one-to-one. So that was the first shift for me was into one-to-one work. And I realized that I really loved it because I could I could use a lot of the skills that I'd had working as a project manager, change manager in a large group, but bringing them to bear on an individual, suddenly they felt like they had a life of their own and much more power and energy. And it was, it was great. So that was, you know, that external trigger shifted my target market a little bit in the business. Then the next thing that happened was COVID and the pandemic. Um, And that made me realize that I didn't have to travel to meet people in order to do this one-to-one work. I could do this. I could be on a zoom call or a teams meeting or whichever platform was appropriate. And I got really good at starting to recognize people's emotional state and seeing how they were reacting and, and, and reading the body language, which I'd always you know, found a, a useful skill with the mentoring work I was doing face-to-face. And it took a little while just to understand how to do that online. But I think that's one of the points about mastery. You get really good at something, external change happens, you're still doing that thing, but you're finding new ways, new contexts in which to do that work and do it really well. And the masters, again, will accelerate into those external changes 
and grow and thrive while others who perhaps are not doing that thinking and not stepping aside and thinking, where are my strengths? What am I really good at? Where do I focus? The people who are going, well, this has happened, so now I have to do something completely different. And they, they're jumping back to being a novice or a practitioner rather than doubling down on the mastery part of what they're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think that's online with what we talked about in our pivoting episode a while back, Andrew. You know, making sure that you're making the right moves at the right time and not just doing a knee jerk, oh no, and making something, you know, that may not work out at all. You haven't even thought about it yet. We talked about that yeah. in the last episode too, is getting those analytics and, and thinking about actually putting together a strategy for what you're going to do instead of just throwing stuff out there and seeing what happens. Yeah, it's, it's, you're exactly right, John. It's about focusing on what you are really already good at and where your expertise lies doesn't mean you don't pivot doesn't mean you don't have to change the business but it means you focus where you where you drive that change so that it's building on what you already have and where your strengths are mm-hmm. uh, and rather than well i was i was in marketing and that's not working anymore so now i'll go and be a plumber um <laughs> you know it's uh, yeah yeah we, yeah, we joked our, about that a few weeks yeah, ago. I was right? say, uh, our joke is always a landscaping company. Landscaping company. <laughs> We're like, okay, it's not working out. We're going to go open up a lawn mm-hmm. company. Yeah. Feels feels familiar. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of intentional mastery, how how does one master becoming a master? You know, like it's like that. Like that's the question. I mean, that's the question. Seriously, like, how do I put? How am I intentional about developing that skill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the intentional part of this is about recognizing that it's like any part of running a business, you have to be strategic about mm-hmm. it. Um, you need to think, how I am where I am today, how do I get to where I want to be in five years' time, in a year's time, or in six, doesn't matter what time scale, but pick a time scale, mm-hmm. and then break down, how do I get to that? Um, for me, the mastery part, is is about thinking about what knowledge do I still need? What skills can I practice and hone? You know, if you're a musician, you would play your instrument every day. So there's what part of what you do as an entrepreneur do you need to make sure you're playing every day so that mm. you keep the skill up? Um, for me, you know, as a business mentor, that's about questioning. I'm curious about the nature of questioning all the time. So I'm looking for better ways to ask questions that open people up and help them to really understand their own answers. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a skill in its own right. Um, so there's that curiosity. There's also, I think, uh, thinking about uh, the other strategies that go with running a business, you know, sales and, and uh, marketing, those kind of skills around that part of the business and systems and automation. And, you know, I know, you guys on other shows have talked a lot about how systems can be built into to make life a lot easier for people mm-hmm. and you know the software and all of those things but i think there's one bit a lot of people miss and that's about having a strategy for your own health uh, and making sure that you're looking after yourself because as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. if we're not well the business probably isn't going to be well as either yeah so you know i'm i look at three areas with my clients i look at their uh, emotional awareness, how good are they at recognizing their emotional state? I look at their physical well-being uh, and I look at their mental resilience and think about, you know, how do they look at challenges and issues and things that go wrong and making sure that we're all 
resilient enough to kind of be observant of it and to do what's needed to put it right without getting into a panic and mm-hmm. flapping about like a broken chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that this this like whole conversation is just like so eye-opening because I think we we have this conversation with ourselves quite often, which is, you know, we need to become better at our jobs. But mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, our jobs aren't it's not very linear, right? Like it, there's so, it's so wide, mm. right? Like I kind of laugh whenever you said, you know, um, you need to practice doing whatever you, you want to do more of or, or, you, or you want to be better at. And I laughed. I was like, I need to practice putting out fires. Cause like, that is just like one of the many, <laughs> the many things that you have to do as an entrepreneur. But, 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 you know, kind of all jokes aside, you know, it, it, it does, beg the question, like, where do you start? And I think that for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners out there, that's where it gets overwhelming is like, I'm already, I'm already working from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. Like, when do I, when do I put time down to like, you know, develop my skill that so, so yeah, I mean how, like for, for the business owners out there that are listening, that feel like maybe they're stuck or maybe they, they don't have the time you hear people say all the time, I don't have time. I don't have time. What can they do? What's a small micro thing that they can do to start the process? So um, you've hit on a number of really important points, uh, Andrew. I, first of all, you know, this firefighting thing. Uh, and we, we possibly don't have time to make sure that we're not striking matches randomly. Yeah. But when one of those lit matches lands on something and a fire starts, we have all the time in the world to put it right. Sure. So one of the things is to look for where are you striking matches in your business? Uh, that might that might start a fire and uh, getting rid of the matchbox at that point. Yeah. So, uh, good point. And it, yep. it, I, every entrepreneur I've ever met at some point in their business will have worked, as you describe it, all the hours that they can, twenty four hours a day, more if necessary. Um, <laughs> and you know, they're, they're wondering how on earth. I started this business so I'd have more free time, right? And I'm now working harder than ever. What's going on? Well, one of the things that I think we're... It's a sign for me of somebody who's at the practitioner level of their business. They've got the knowledge and the skill to deliver something that's really of value, but they haven't yet got all the experience of doing that as a business owner. Mm -hmm. So things are still going wrong, and the things are going wrong in the areas of the business they're not expert at. So sometimes you have to bite the bullet and spend money that you don't have in order to get ahead of the game. Yep. Um, and uh, it can be really difficult. And I really, you know, I absolutely understand because I've been there. When you've got no money, how do you spend money to invest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really tough. Um, but if you can find a way, you know, call in favors, talk to friends, anything, find the people with the expertise on the parts of your business that you know you're really poor at and that you hate doing and that take time. So there's that kind of three-layer thing. I'm not good at it. It takes time for me to do it, and I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And find somebody who says, I really quite like that. Yeah. And cut a deal with them. You know, do them a favor call in a favor, whatever, to get that work off your plate. Now you've got some time back. Now be really strategic about how you use that bit of time because you've bought it often feeling like at an enormous cost to yourself. It's either money or it's a big favor or whatever it is. So now you've got to use that time really wisely. So I would 
always encourage people to think about what they're going to do with the time when they get it before they go out and look for somebody to take that work off them. So then they know exactly what to do with it mm. to get some return on that investment so that they can then do it again, slightly bigger, and get more time back and just rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, <clears throat> if if the listeners out there, if you've never heard of uh, The Freedom Compass by Michael Hyatt, look that bad boy up. It's it, it's totally in line with what William's saying right now. It's kind of this, um, I, I don't know, you'll Google it. It's a little compass that kind of breaks down the things that you're passionate, proficient, not proficient, and not passionate about. And it kind of talks about where you want to be, whether it's your desired zone or your distraction zone, your drudgery zone, your disinterest zone. And you can really work backwards to say like, you know, how much of what I'm doing is in my drudgery zone mm. and, and, and out of what's in that drudgery zone is that stuff that I can, you know, assign to someone else. Like, you know, William said, somebody could do you a favor. Is it hiring a, a VA to take off a medial task off your plate that would literally allow you the time to develop and invest in areas that you want to be spending your time and energy or areas where you are, you are proficient and you are enjoying what you do. I think that that's, that's it for me. That was a game changer. The freedom compass was a really cool, like eye-opening experience for me to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a list down of all the tasks I do, and I'm going to just write beside them. Do I like doing them? You know, do I not like doing them? Am I proficient at them? Am I not proficient at them? And once you kind of break it down and start to realize like how much BS you're doing in your day, you'll realize that a lot of that can be taken off your plate, right? Yeah. Maybe you already, maybe you already have somebody on your team. Like you said, maybe because what, what's so funny about this is I think business owners think that because you hate something that everybody hates something, right? Yeah. Like I hate <laughs> checking my emails, which means everybody hates checking emails. Yeah. No, like I have, I have an assistant now and I have an assistant that I used to work with before. And both of them are very highly organized people. They like going through all those emails and putting it where it goes i don't like just tell me what i need to do yeah. you know yeah i'm like i'm laughing because i think you've hit the nail on the head you know there, there are there, for every job that we dislike there is somebody out there who absolutely loves it who I loves for it. Whom it's bread and butter and they just lap it up and they will say just give me more of it give me more yeah. of it yeah and our, and our job if you like as entrepreneurs is to find those people uh and and then we can pass the work on I, right. and I I have another little rule, you know, really quick tip. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will have to-do lists and they'll have things on those to-do lists that have probably been there for a long time. <laughs> um, so one thing I think is if a job hasn't, I have a little rule that if I reschedule a task on my to-do list more than three times, I either have to delegate it to somebody else or put a red line through it and say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's never getting mm -hmm. done because it's, it's or your list is just going to stack. Because <laughs> if I keep moving it saying, well, there's more important stuff, there's more important stuff, there's more important stuff, then maybe it's not important enough ever to even bother. That's right. right. Um, and I, I think one of the causes of overwhelms is people have a to-do list that's like, you know, they, they could have a scroll and be <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, yeah. for, for hours it. on it. <laughs> and, and most of that stuff's not going to get done. I don't know anybody who does everything they put on their to-do list. I just don't. Mm -hmm. are, if they do, they're not putting everything that they need to do. <laughs> That's right. Top. Exactly. Yeah. So, so actually, this is a great pivot point for me to ask a question that we wrote down, which was, you know, how can you use technology to help you along the way, right? How can you leverage technology to achieve your growth goals, to grow your business? And the reason I asked this question was because you were talking about your to-do list. You're talking about how you have that rule there. And I had noticed that you use a software called Motion. I don't know if you use that in 
a lot of your your business for your task management. But I was just curious, what are your thoughts on leveraging technology in that way? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do use Motion and, and it's a really interesting product. It's got an AI built in the back end to help you organize your to-do list. Uh, and it starts to learn which things you do frequently and which you do less frequently and which are important and, mm -hmm. and so on. And it weaves that into your calendar so that you get a, a calendar view that has tasks built into it nice. um, that it's helped my productivity cool. for sure. It's not yeah. the only place I record tasks, um, which is another challenge if you have to <laughs> no. do it. <laughs> you know, here's one, here's one, here's one. Um, so that's that's one bit of software. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> for those who are listening, Andrew's holding up a list on a, on a bit of paper. Um, we've all got those. Yep. Um, I, I use I do think that technology can really help us, but it's a tool. It's not a mm. it's not the, the the ultimate solution to the problem. It's just a if something makes you more efficient because you like using it, use it more. Um, but forcing yourself into using software that doesn't work your way, uh, I'm sure we've all done that as well. Um, yeah. And certainly, you know, I'm sometimes asked by clients to use software that they prefer to use. Mm -hmm. um, and of course I will because they're the client. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to use it as efficiently as they're using it. As they are. I don't yeah. like it. Right. Yeah? For sure. So, um, I also, confusing names, but, uh, but I also use a bit of software called Notion as well. Yeah, as Notion. Okay, I was, yeah. yeah, I saw yeah. Motion and I was like, wait a minute, is this Notion or Motion? <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, they're different. Um, <laughs> notion is, uh, you know, I've found Notion is really good if you've got a team of people, particularly if they're not employees, if they're, you know, if they're associates or assistants mm -hmm. that you're hiring on a kind of ad hoc basis to be able to communicate and keep all your data and your way of working and things like, uh, you know, if you have brand guidelines in the business that you want people to follow, you can keep all that in, in uh, Notion. You can have your brand assets available so that everybody's working from one place. And that really helps to keep consistency of the quality of what you're delivering to, to your clients up. And I've found that really useful. But again, if it doesn't work for you, don't use it. Use something else. Yeah, exactly. You you have to find something that not only works for you, but also in a perfect world, if you have a team, works for your team. You know, I think one of the things that as business owners, again, we do a lot of times, like we find something we think is really cool. And we're like, hey, everybody, we're using this thing. And everyone yeah. on the team is like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> we don't, we don't want to use another like thing. It. Like we've used yeah. it. We already used another thing. So you've got to make sure that you have everyone on board. It works for everyone and, and what they're doing. You know, I mean, I, I think that we've been guilty of that. We've been guilty of like trying a new tool every six months just because yeah. we're trying to dial it in. You know, one of the things that's worked really well for us, and I would encourage other business owners out there to do this. And it's such a stupid, stupid thing. Like everyone says to do it, but until you actually put it into place, you don't realize how impactful it can be is documenting your processes and if you can document your processes in a tool that helps systemize and automate, like, so we use a tool, it's expensive. Like I'll just be candid there, but it's a software called Process Street. But it has been a game changer for our business because if I used to onboard a website design client, I'd get confirmation, they'd sign the proposal, we'd set up a little onboarding call, I would take notes in one of the 900 places I leave notes, and then I would start to drop the ball. I had no way of knowing what's the next thing. Uh, obviously, another project comes through. I'm working on a logo. Another client work, work, have, you know, working on SEO. And I start to forget about the guy that came on board for a website. 
And especially whenever you're kind of in your early business years where it's that roller coaster ride of like, you know, everyone's out there chasing a new opportunity, you get the deal and then everyone's like distracted with that deal to focus on other work and clients, right? So Process Street has allowed us to document every step of an onboarding of a client, but then within inside of that process, we can actually use it to document and contain the information for that job. Mm-hmm. So we can handle their onboarding, we can handle the emails that go to them, we can ha- I mean all of that. For me, we've been talking about this on a lot of our podcast episodes. It probably will just be a theme for the life of us because I'm a nerd for automation. If you can use automation in your business, you should try to because mm-hmm. it'll allow you to take a lot of things off your plate that might be stuff that you don't need to be wasting your time on in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm entirely with you. And I think the only my only word of caution is I wouldn't automate something until I'd done it manually a few yes. times first. Because mm-hmm. otherwise if you, <laughs> if you designed it with a mistake in it, you just make the mistake faster and Fa- bigger than before. Yeah. <laughs> times way more people. Yeah. Way quicker. Way more people. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, do do test it first, but I absolutely agree. I think uh, building processes, building the opportunity to have a checklist, uh, a, a way of making sure I'm following these steps every time I bring somebody new into the business as an employee or every time I bring somebody new in as a client or how do we do our tax returns, you know. Yeah, all, all of those things have got to be done, but the, the more you can get down how you go about doing it, and you do that once, you write it down once, and then you can just make sure you've done all the steps every time. You just schooled um, me a little bit, William. You, you just said, even how you do your taxes, I'm over here thinking, you dummy. I could have done that a long time ago and taken the process of the things mm-hmm. that my CPA needs every year and put it into a process so that whenever it's time, I'm already ahead That's of the game. Right. I'm over here doing things the old-fashioned way. All right, well. Wow, way to go. And how much less stressful would that be? <laughs> yeah, you know, so not, much. You're running up to the deadline and it's like, ah, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm out there posting a Facebook post that I'm looking for a new CPA. Why are you looking for a new CPA? It's not the CPA's fault that you didn't get them what they needed on time. It's your fault. <laughs> like, that's the first, the first thing that we do, I think, as individuals is just try to fix the problem by hiring a different person. You're just mm-hmm. going to have the problem over and over again until you solve the primary problem, yeah. which is typically yourself. We've heard from so many guests that most yeah. of the time, the biggest problem is yourself. You're in your, you're on, you're on your own way, right? And the um, one of the questions that I've, you know, I said earlier, I like to find great questions. One of the questions I ask business owners is, "What's your favorite recipe?" They mm. they always immediately go to, you know, oh, it's mac and cheese, or it's, you know, yeah. I said, no, no. What's the favorite recipe in your business, and oh, why have you written oh. it down? Mm. That's good. That's um, very good. I'm, I'm going to use that. Can I use that one? Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Seriously. <laughs> how, let me ask you this. How do you, how do you help businesses stay focused, stay motivated when things aren't going really well? Because I feel like when things are like going really well, everyone's excited. Everyone's yeah. pumped. There's money in the bank. Things are flowing. You can hire people. You can invest in marketing. It's whenever there's a lull where you start getting business owners that are like, you know, we're going to cut our marketing and we're going to cut this mm-hmm. and we're going to stop doing that. And I had somebody tell me a long time ago, saving money is not making money. And it's something that's lasted the time. Like that doesn't mean spend frivolously and not be responsible with your finances. But in general, a lot of times, <clears throat> a lot of times the issue is not about saving and cutting. It should be about like further leaning into it and further developing it. How, how do you keep people focused and motivated during those periods 
So I think the first thing is to have a really clear vision of where you want to take the business and something that's important to you at a visceral level that you know you're connected to emotionally and physically. Um, you know, I uh, a few years ago made a commitment to myself. I love skiing and I and I also want to stay healthy and live a long time. So I made a commitment to be skiing on my 80th birthday. Now your listeners are going to be thinking, how's this related to running a business? <laughs> but my point is, I have a I have this long distance. It's years away. It's getting closer, but that's another story. <laughs> it's still years away. Um, vision that I want to be fit enough, healthy enough to be able to ski then. That means I've got to ski every year for a start because I don't want to lose the skill. And that means I've got to be earning enough money to pay to go skiing, and that's not cheap. <laughs> no. so, you know, there, are, there are parts of that vision that drive directly back into what do I need the business to do for me mm. to support me being able to do that. So one of the things I, I really recommend to keep the motivation up is that people paint a really clear picture of where they as individuals want to be. Where do you want to take yourself? Where do you want to take your family? Um, what do you want that to look like when you're, I don't know, I said, I chose 80, but pick any number that makes sense to you in, in the time scale that you're working on. And, and paint that picture and tell other people about it. But one of the biggest mistakes I think people make when they set, you know, big goals and big visions is that they, they set this big goal and then they think, but well, I'm not going to tell anybody because they'll tell me that I've missed it when I fail. Hmm. Yeah, that also means they can't help you get there. Yeah, no accountability. And and it's amazing how many people who, when I've talked about that vision of me wanting to go skiing, have said, how can I help you do that? Hmm. And then I can have a conversation about, well, actually, one of the things is I need, you know, I need to continue to grow my business. So can you help me do that? Mm-hmm. And they do, you know, and they bring referrals and, and, and new clients and new customers. So and I've got a vision for the business as well. And some of the things that I want the business to be able to do, I want it to be contributing to projects worldwide that make a difference to entrepreneurship for people you know, in less advantaged parts of the world so that they can start their own business and, and, and start to have some of the things that we can have as business owners uh, and, and enjoy because of that. So, you know, that's a more charitable end of the thing, but I can't do that unless I can make money in order to provide money to do that. So that's part of my vision and it gets me here. You know, when I think yeah. about some of the people I've been able to help already and know the difference that that's made to them. And I think, you know, if I can scale that up and instead of helping a few people in poorer parts of the world to get going i can help hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people what would that be like mm-hmm. and then i talk to other people and say this is why i'm this is why i'm doing it and they go how can i help and that's really motivating because it isn't you're not alone and you know, right. none of us need to be alone to mm-hmm. do this stuff we can we can always get the help yeah and I remember something my grandmother taught me when I was just a nipper on her knee. She said, asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. Mm-hmm. Asking for help says you know what you need mm. and uh, you know that you don't have the skills right now and other people will just reach out and help you if you ask. But you have to ask. What great advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, you, you're talking a lot about goal setting but I think that for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, they don't know where to start mm-hmm. or maybe they're taking a, the goals are in their head approach 
what kind of advice do you have for putting putting those goals into action and truly creating a plan that they can work off of? Um, I mean, it depends on the individual. Some people are very visual. So, you know, if you're, if you're a visual person, take photographs or drawings or tear things out of magazines and stick them into a picture and put it on the wall in front of you so that it's there to remind you every day. Some people love words. So find a form of words that really motivates you to think about your vision. Um, you know, helping, helping poorer children around the world is one of the things that's up on the wall here. Right? So there's, you know, those things, I, I worked with a, a client last year who have a foundation they've been, uh, which I've helped uh, build and make sure runs well. They build floating classrooms in Bangladesh so that children can get educated in the rainy season. Wow. When the, when the monsoons come. That's really That's cool. changing lives for generations yeah. to come. And it's that sort of thing. That's what motivates me. And I've got that in words in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, other people need, you know, a place or, you know, so whatever it is that is something that every day can remind you in some way of, this is why I'm doing it. This is where I'm going. It only, it needs, this needs to be a glance, you know, something that you know you're going to see every day that just will help to keep you on track and tell other people. I've said that before, but I'd keep saying it. Tell other people what that vision is because the more you tell, the more help you'll get. That, yeah. that for me really, I put into motion for the very first time at the start of this year. We were coming in, at, we, we had a bit of a lull Q4 of last year. And so I decided I'm going to make a post on social media and I'm going to put my goals kind of out into the universe. I'm going to tell people what I'm what I'm aiming for this year. And I literally wrote an email and I sent it to people that are colleagues, uh, you know, mentors, uh, existing clients. And I said, hey, this is this is what I'm going to do this year. I want to help transform the lives of, you know, 12 small businesses, you know, I'd love to do way more than 12, but 12 was like the number, right? And I got so, and I just simply asked, I, I didn't say, would you send me the name of someone? I didn't say, can we set up a meeting? I just said, can I get your support in helping me achieve that goal? And every single one of those people responded and say, whatever I can do to help you. Yeah. And for me, you just don't realize that sometimes it just takes approaching it in a really authentic, personal, human way, because I think naturally people want to help people. Mm -hmm. you know and, and when it's obvious that somebody needs help you know they they get knocked down on the road or something you know we all jump to it. it it's because it's obvious this is the same you make it obvious what you're trying to achieve those people who who want you to achieve it will be there to support you yep yeah that's exactly right let me ask you this as kind of a a, a final wrap-up question here and we've touched on it a little bit, but do you think every business owner should aspire to reach the level of mastery? No, it's not for everybody. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the journey that I described, the people get to becoming practitioners for an awful lot of people, that meets their working need. You know, that they're good at what they do. They go to work every day. They do their job. They get paid for it. They go home. They do other stuff because that's where their passion lies. And that's okay. Um, some people become experts, stick there, because for them, that's what feels natural and feels right. But for those, I think, the, you know, there's a kind of, there's a group of people for whom 
it's almost it's never enough. They always want to be pushing the boundaries of what they know, pushing the boundaries of how skilled they are at it. You know, we don't get, you mentioned baseball earlier, you don't get people at the very top of the baseball leagues playing baseball every week, day in, day out, unless they really, really wanted to be really good at it, you know, at the best of the game. In the UK, we, you know, our sport is soccer and we have, you know, players from all over the world who come to the UK to play in the soccer leagues here because it's, you know, it's where they can be at their very best in their, in their minds. So that's the game they're playing. So no, I don't think it's for everybody, but I think if it's for you, then you've got to take accountability, you've got to take responsibility, that that's the journey you're on and it's for you to decide. That's why I called it intentional mastery. It's for you to decide what your intentions are hmm. and make the decision to be not just an expert, not just the expert, but the very best that you can be in the market that you work in. And you know, when that happens, business comes to you as well. You know, when you get there, it's, it stops being a sales and marketing problem and it becomes a capacity problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is a way more fun problem. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> absolutely. So I think this is a great place for us to, to pivot to our last part of all of our podcast episodes where we wrap up by asking our guests to leave us with a business growth hack. So I'm going to, I'm going to play the sound effect because we got this, we, you know, we're a sound effect crew over here and that'll give you a second here to think about what one business growth hack you can leave for our listeners. Hacks! <laughs> yeah. What you got for us, William? Well, I think you've touched on it already in the conversation. I think uh, writing down what you're doing uh, in some way or another uh, for a period of time, maybe forever, uh, but certainly writing down, if you haven't got the processes in the business that you need, if you haven't got the checklists that you need, writing those down would help. But just every day, I take five minutes at the end of the day and just reflect on what have I learned today? What did I learn that I needed to work on tomorrow that to change things? And I just, I write them down because if I just think about them, by the morning, I've forgotten. But in the evening, I just, and I do this in Notion, actually, we're talking about tools. So I've got this long record in Notion of all those overnight, I didn't do that very well today, you know, and I'll probably have some thoughts on this podcast that I'll go down tonight as to how do we, how do we do that better next time? Mm -hmm. And it's the act of writing it down forces you to think in different parts of your brain because you think about the idea you then have to translate it into movements of your hand if you're writing with a pen or keyboard. And then, of course, you can see what you've written. So you actually take it out of your brain and put it back in again. And Mm -hmm. that process helps to make it stick and helps you to realize where you need to focus. That's actually a really great point. Me and John were kind of just talking about this yesterday, how a lot of times we'll have a guest on and we get a lot of aha moments and we're like, oh my gosh, like we're fired up. You know, it's like we always kind of use the church camp methodology. You just got back from church camp, you're hype. You're like, well, we're going to like go out and like light the world on fire, right? And we like walk out, we're actually just two rooms apart. I'll walk out of my studio, he walks out of his studio, we're high five and we're talking about how great of a guest it was. But then we don't write down or document mm-hmm. what we just took away from that. And then six months later, as we're looking through our guests, we're like, oh, didn't he say that thing about this? Mm-hmm. And we forgot like, to, yes, yes, that person did share that with you. So I, I think that's a really valid point is sometimes you have to take it out of your head, put it down, reread it, rehear it, you know, 
put it put it into action. I think that's that's super great advice, William. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I know it's about six o'clock there, which means it's time for you to have a glass of wine or or something something fun to wrap up the week. I I want to say thank you again. I want to ask you, what can our listeners do? What can we do to support you? How can we find you and follow you? Well, you've just given me a new idea there, actually, Andrew. But, uh, so, I, so one thing is, if you would, you and John would like to write down and email me with what you thought of as a result of hearing this episode, I'd love to see that. And for any of your listeners too, just email me what you learned from today. That would be really helpful for me too yeah. to understand what was landing. Um, I have an audit on our website, which allows people to uh, very quickly run through 20 questions and get a report about where their business is right now and where they can focus to make a big difference. It's not an automated report. It's not driven by AI. Um, I look at the answers that they've given in the question and, and personalize the report. Uh, yes, there's a template, but, but it's <laughs> you know, personalized elements to it. Because um, I want to give best advice that I can. That's free. Um, and you can get to it at audit.williambuist.com, and it's B-U-I-S-T for the surname bit. So audit.williambuist.com, that'll take you to the audit. Fill that in. You'll get the report a couple of days later, and uh, hopefully it'll help you to really accelerate the growth in your business. That's what it's for. That's amazing. William, yeah. thank, thank you so much again for sharing your insight with us today. Listeners, make sure you go check that out mm -hmm. and uh, support everything William's doing because I feel like there's been a lot of value packed into this conversation today. And um, yeah, ch check it out. Make sure you listen to the episode. We always have amazing show notes with everything that we covered, his links, uh, the high points of the conversation, some quotables, all of that to make it really easy for you guys to digest. And if you wouldn't mind, leave us a review, share the episode with a friend. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.